0: I'm Laura Green. Welcome to the Sapphic Book Review Podcast, the show that brings you the best in Sapphic fiction. Join me as I chat with authors, narrators, and friends who share my love for the genre. You will learn things you didn't know about your favorites and get some suggestions for your next read. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe. Welcome to the Sapphic Book Review Podcast. Today's guest is one of my favorite authors, and someone whose books I recommend so much I could be her fan club president. JJ Arias, welcome and thanks for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's really such a pleasure. Your latest book, Body Check, was released in September. For anyone who hasn't read it yet, tell them about Fabiola and Cameron. And are you a fan of reality shows like the one in the book?
1: So I actually became a fan uh, during the pandemic when we reached the end of the internet and all streaming services (laughs) and found this competition reality show that shall not be named. And it had like 30 something seasons. (laughs) So we started, we started watching it. And my wife was like, you should write enemies to Lovers set in a reality show like this. Cause there's a couple of people and they seemed like they had a little too much animosity, you know, like there had to be something behind that. So I was like, I don't know if I want to write like a huge cast that can be so confusing. It dilutes from the romance, but I kind of Kept thinking about it. And then Fab and Cam started coming into being as it kind of percolated in the back of my head. And I started thinking about what kind of people go on these shows, right? So obviously, very competitive. So Fab ended up being Fabiola, ended up being this very intense, matter of fact, color inside the lines, determined athlete who, you know, is kind of tough on the outside, but so sweet on the inside. And then I wanted Cameron to be something different to kind of give it a little bit of balance, a little contrast. So she's like free spirited and friendly and approachable. And she kind of plays the social game. She's a little manipulative. She kind of uses all of those things to, to her benefit, but they're both extremely competitive. And then let's see what happens when we give them a little history and <laughs> throw them together and put them through the mud and horrible situations. And it was a lot of fun. It was so
0: funny how you came up with all these different competitions.
1: So we came up with, my wife helped me quite a bit. I was like, you got me in this mess. You helped <laughs> me. And so we tried to think about kinds of challenges, physical things you'd have to do, mostly physical, not always, sometimes puzzles and things, where they have to work together. They cannot complete the task apart. And that limitation made it that much harder. So things that are like relay or, you know, you kind of have to count on the other person, trust the other person do things that are scary. It was tough. I think that really was the hardest. So we just brainstormed a whole bunch. And I, I outline my stories. And then I would just have like, draw one, one of the obstacles you came up with. And then I'd put it in there. But that was tough. It was tough. It was fun, though. It was really fun to write. It was fun to read too. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but
0: Whipped is number one in roller skating and rollerblading books in the Kindle store. Totally true. I took a screenshot of it. If- I remember being a kid in the 70s and seeing roller derby on TV and thinking it was so cool. Where did you get the idea to write a book featuring roller derby and have you ever done it?
1: Doesn't roller derby look like the most fun? It does. I absolutely love it. And I played basketball in high school and I'm really good at throwing elbows because I'm not tall. (laughs) Um, So I feel like roller derby is meant for me. But My wife will not allow it. Hard no. I'd have an easier time joining a cult than convincing her (laughs) to let me do roller derby. So this is my vicarious living. And we have a local roller derby league, so we support them. We've gone to games or matches, but that's as close, <laughs> as, close as I can get to uh, throwing my weight against somebody on wheels. Ah, that book was so much fun. <laughs>
0: it was. Guava Flavored Lies is one of the funniest enemies to lovers books of the year. If it were turned into a movie, who would play Sylvia and Lauren?
1: Okay, so I'm sure I'm not supposed to have favorites. I think guava is like the best thing i've ever written and i think we'll ever write like that's it i could probably just pack it in and it's funny because i thought that story was going to be so specific no one was going to connect to it because it's like here's these very specific women in this very specific environment with these very specific pressures and their outcomes you know are so dependent on that so but people have seemed to really like it and so I appreciate that the the humor has kind of translated not just to my own crazy Cuban family, but <laughs> other people's families of of all kinds. So I always cast somebody in the role of of the characters, so I can have a like a physical description to go with. So Sylvie, I based it on Ana de Armas. I don't know if you're familiar. Oh, yeah. With and then for Lauren, this woman, her name is Natalie Martinez. She hasn't been in too many things. She was like in the stand. And this kind of terrible show on Netflix or movie on Netflix called The Island. But it's like the one land. It's terrible. <laughs> but she's great. And she's from Miami and she's Cuban-American. And so she was a a perfect Lauren. So you can Google her and, and get an idea of what she looked like. Okay. So if you picture someone every time you write, who is George from The Good Governor? Oh, okay. So some people have done double duty. And like <laughs> three of my characters are Lana Perea. Once Upon a Time. Oh, yeah. Have you ever watched? Yeah. Yeah. She's like half of
0: them. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty solid choice. Yeah. You've written two series, the Good Girl series, featuring characters from a fictional university, and the Dusk Queen series featuring female vampires. If you were doing a crossover with these characters, who do you think would fit the best in the other's world?
1: Okay, so first of all, you give me such a good idea for a new series. Ah, thanks. I'm obsessed with this thought experiment. Okay, <laughs> I would like an acknowledgement and free books. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> of course. I'm hoping somebody will write the fanfic, right? That'll be so much fun to read. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, honestly, I think I write such independent, strong women that I think they would do so well in either environment. You know, I feel like if they ever got together, they'd absolutely rule the world and do a better job than we're doing right now. So I have to say, though, I think the the most natural crossover, I think, would be the good governor. You have a couple of tough boss leader ladies, and they're very strong partners. And I think what can get in their way. So I think that would be really fun, actually, to watch that. I expect to see this book next year. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) You'll be my co-author. That's right. (laughs) Who's your favorite supporting character from one of your books? So this was really hard, because I usually fall in love with my supporting characters. So it was really hard to pick someone. So I cheated and I picked two, right? Because I couldn't decide, if you'll allow it. Of course. So I love Anwar from Whip because he was kind of based on my very, very good friend, who is this just like sweet, smart, feminist guy who absolutely loves powerful women, never feels intimidated by them. So he's kind of near and dear to my heart. And then the runner up is Maggie from Crossing the Line. So I'm turning 40 this year. Now I identify more with the older half of the age gap romances (laughs) instead of the other way around. So I think I wrote a lot of myself in Maggie, someone living the glory days of their 20 something years ago. Yeah. And uh, she made me laugh a lot. I had a really good time with her. Yeah, she was a lot of fun.
0: And happy birthday coming up. Ah, thank you. I turned 50 this year. Oh, happy birthday. That's why I have these reading glasses on now because my <laughs> yes. eyesight is failing me. Your body just turns on you one day, man. <laughs> what is that? It's like, wait, did my ankle just pop when I stood up? What the hell? Yeah, I'm sorry. Did I look to the right
1: too quickly? <laughs> It might defy gravity. Oh,
0: boy. It's good stuff. (laughs) If I had never read any of your books, which three would you recommend I start with that will give me the best J.J. Arias experience? So it's tough because I do think
1: they're all a little bit different, but I think by far my most popular are The Good Governor and Crossing the Line. I think because we all have that soft spot for ice queens and age gaps and these kind of tough women. But I'm also known for writing a lot of lady lawyers. so I think objecting to her kind of gives a flavor of like that dialogue, my kind of people being a little snappy with each other, a little banter (laughs) and slow burn, which everybody hates, but loves obviously, but likes to complain about and then get them together faster. Like I can't, they hate each other. That takes work.
0: It does. It does. And those two really hated each other for a minute.
1: Yeah. I really try to get them to hate each other. I don't like when I sink into an enemies to lovers and then they're like, the third chapter, we're friends. It's like, no. They have to really hate each other. Then it's really satisfying. <laughs> and they really probably were the the most the most animosity between two people I think that I've, <laughs> I've ever written.
0: But underlying chemistry the whole time. That's how yeah,
1: it works. That's the fun part, right? It is. What are you working on now? I'm working on actually I just finished it and so I'm just waiting for the editor. It's an age gap and it starts this 20 I think she's maybe 27 or 28. And she's going to her 10-year high school reunion. And she meets in the airport on the way there, her history teacher from high school. Oh. She had such a crush on. Oh, my. It's the same school from Guava Flavored Lies. So I tried to do a little crossover, but it didn't work. So it didn't force <laughs> it. <laughs> and they meet and they have this three-day, we'll call it a fling, even <laughs> though neither one of its wants to be a fling. But do you want it to be a fling? And what could this really be? You know, so very forbidden, very fun. And then they can't stop thinking about each other after they say goodbye. So th- it was super fun to write. Super, super fun.
0: Did you have a crush on your history teacher when you were in high school?
1: I did not. There was not a single attractive teacher at my <laughs> school. <laughs> but some college professors, for sure. Definitely a law professor I had quite the crush on. So plenty of inspiration.
0: I think when I was fourth grade, I had a crush on my teacher, but I didn't know it at the time.
1: Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Her name is Miss Fox. The- she Come was on. super You pretty. didn't have
1: a chance. I know, right? <laughs>
0: If you were to have a dinner party with only two of your couples, which two would you choose and why?
1: All right. So I think surprise to no one. I have to invite Sylvie and Lauren from Guava Flavored Lies. And I need to watch them bicker the entire time. I want their families to come over too. It has to be the whole thing. And then story that I wrote that was kind of similar. So I feel like we're already in Miami. It's already Cuban. Let's bring in the girls from The Single Matchmaker. It was Similar in the sense that it also kind of looked at first-generation Cuban-American women and these very specific pressures, obstacles that they have to overcome. So I feel like we'll all talk too loud, too fast, <laughs> scream at each other. No one's listening. Everyone's trying to get a word in edgewise. It'll be great. It's going to be a great time. You can come. Okay, awesome. I can talk
0: loud, too, and be obnoxious. <laughs> One of the things that makes your books special is the Cuban representation, which isn't found in too
1: many sapphic books. What do you love most about your Cuban heritage? I really have tried to bring that flavor to everything that I write. And, you know, it's not always so prominent. Sometimes it's just a character's background and it doesn't feature into the plot. But I really have enjoyed kind of bringing that. That's the unique thing I can bring, right? You know, everybody kind of writes a little bit of what they know. So I think, you know, it is pretty interesting. And of course, the food, the boisterous people, the music. I love that. My family, I think, is in every one of my stories, too. Different people kind of representing different things. But I think this might be a weird one. I think my favorite thing about my Cuban heritage is how insanely superstitious we are. (laughs) Especially as as a kid, death around every corner. So if you didn't cover your head or your chest at night, dead. What's it going to be? I don't know. Is it the moon? What is killing you? We don't know. But you can't let it touch you. You can't bring seashells from the beach. That's like death immediately. Oh my gosh. Bringing dead things. Right. You're calling the Grim Reaper. You're like, please come to my house. If you stand near a balcony, the devil's going to push you over. Did you grow up like this, thinking you were going to die at all times? No, no, I didn't.
0: (laughs) I grew up wanting to get the hell out of my little hillbilly tan so I could go do something, anything besides stare at cows. Right.
1: (laughs) Oh, cows are so nice. Yeah.
0: Well, some of my best friends as a child were cows. I wasn't very popular (laughs) with people. (laughs) Have you had readers contact you and tell you how awesome it is to have the Cuban representation in your books?
1: I've had so many people reach out to me. So many people. It's really surprising. I actually have someone that reached out that doesn't know they actually know me in real life. Really? um, Because they don't know my pen name. Yeah, I'm very secretive about my identity. And she (laughs) messaged me on Instagram to my JJ Arya's handle and was like, oh my gosh, you know, I live in Miami. And Cuban, this is like my life. And I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't tell her it was me. Cause I was like, oh, she has a big mouth. She can tell everybody it's me. So, but I've had so many people and not just Cuban people. I've had all kinds of people say that they appreciate just a different perspective or not even just Hispanic. I mean, of all kinds of people who have been like, I love this, you know, I'm this other ethnicity, but this is like my family. And I think that's the thing. So many immigrant families are so similar It's like, it doesn't have to be of a Hispanic background. You have, especially that are such tight knit families. So it's like, you have your grandparents very in your life. You have this kind of clump of people that's all in your business. There's no privacy, (laughs) none whatsoever. My grandma used to pick up the phone when I was on the phone and she'd listen to everything. She didn't speak English, by the way. Okay, grandma, I still don't believe you because she knew everything. Absolutely everything. And I was speaking in English to my friends, you know, and it's like, that's such a, such an immigrant experience, I think, where your grandparents live with you, everybody's kind of all together. And like I said, all in your business. But I think a lot of people have connected to it. A lot of people have appreciated it and have reached out to say thank you. I grew up
0: with my grandparents up the gravel road. (laughs) And we had a party line in that little road. And every time I'd get on the phone, someone would be on there. And it was usually my grandma just listening to gossip.
1: Just like, what's doing?
0: Yeah, remember party lines? Where did those go? Oh, I'm glad they went because it was awful when you had to call your friends, and the old lady up the street was on there complaining about her sciatica.
1: <laughs> just to no one, right. just like whoever picks up, You're just talking to I'm somebody. Be desperate enough to talk to me. <laughs>
0: As a lifelong Florida resident, what do you love most about your state? And how often have you wished that George from The Good Governor was really Florida's governor? I don't even live in Florida, and oh, I right. I dream and that every wish. day. Yeah.
1: I think a lot of us do, right? Yeah. It's like, please, anyone. So it's funny because I lived in South Jersey for a few years. And that's when I came to appreciate, because it's easy to rag on Florida, even if you're from Florida. (laughs) The stories are not Florida man stories for no reason, right? There's just a lot, a lot going on (laughs) for wild people. But I think leaving for a while made me appreciate its own culture, at least Miami. Every, I think Florida's a huge state. There's definitely not a mono identity Right Like Central Florida is very different than Northern, very different. Northern Florida is pretty much the South. and then Central Florida is a lot of of space, you get a lot of kind of mixed bag and then South Florida is like a melting pot of so many different cultures, a lot of Latin American cultures, but other cultures too. So I came to appreciate kind of like the food, the culture of Miami. the the people are usually kind of of two kinds. like when you go into like these older Miami neighborhoods where it's somebody's grandma's working at the bakery that you go to they talk to you like they've known you their entire life like all the -the over-the-top sweet things that we say to each other like my love of my life treasure of my eye like (laughs) and in spanish it sounds less dramatic but still you're like really i don't know you but okay and i love that warmth and i also learned moving away that i have an accent i did not know i had (laughs) but apparently i speak really fast and i sound like ricky ricardo and i try to work on that you know kind of be intelligible i didn't know i had an accent whatsoever I didn't get Rick Ricardo when you started talking. Not at all. Thanks. I appreciate that. I didn't know I had an accent at all. (laughs) I was like, what do you mean? Oh, all right. I guess I can hear it. So I definitely can't rep the whole state, but we have some pockets of good. And I agree. I think we'd all love good governor to (laughs) to kind of step in and, and fix things, right?
0: Yeah, run the whole thing.
1: I tried to write her as this kind of very fair-minded, someone who does the right thing because it's the right thing, not for political points. And don't we need more of that, I think? Yes, we
0: do. Go Val Demings, by the way, for Senate.
1: Yeah. He has a good shot, too. Yeah. I kind of have a crush on her. Right? It's that boss energy. We all love it. We can't help it. Love
0: it. Boss lady energy. So hot. How did you meet your wife and what would you title book based on your love story?
1: (laughs) Okay. So this is a very romantic story. We met seven years ago on a dating app. Tales old as time. And as soon as I saw her profile, I was in love. I was like, she's not real. This is not, she was so funny. And I think to be funny in a setting like that, where you kind of don't know what, you know, because it's just like her profile. It's not like we were talking. And I was hysterical laughing. Like I thought she was just so funny. I can't remember any of what it said now, but it was just like immediately I messaged her. We started talking immediately and never stopped. It was just an immediate connection. I got permission to divulge what I would title our <laughs> book. So I forgot. She thought it was funny. She gets me. So I would have to name it Taming My Boo. <laughs> instead of like taming of the shrew Because she's not a commitment phobe exactly. But she definitely was a very guarded person. We got married within a year of meeting each other. And I always joke that I just talked really fast and tricked her into it. And like by the time she noticed, it was like, oh my God, I'm married. So now she can't get out of it. So she had to warm up to a lot of things. You know, died in the wool lesbian. I'm like why aren't we moving in together? <laughs> within a month, I was probably like, you know, we're, we're driving back and forth. We're commuting. She was like, whoa. <laughs> Slow down. I was like, oh, wait. Oh, okay. When are you going to be ready? What are we doing here? And she was kind of like, oh. So yeah, she's amazing. She's a cancer. So she can handle all the Scorpio that I bring. She
0: could take it. <laughs> I think we moved in within about six months, but I didn't just bring myself. I brought two
1: little kids. I think six months is a lifetime. feels with like as much as I think women talk, and not all women, I guess, but I feel like in my experience, we connect on these deep levels so quickly. It's like, that's like three years in other people's lifetimes. Right. Like <laughs> in six months, you know, all their deep, dark secrets, every shameful thing they've ever done, all their bad habits. Like it's all out there. What are we waiting for? Yeah. What are the traits of a Scorpio that fit
0: you best? And given that I'm an Aries, is there a hope we can develop a solid friendship?
1: All right. So now you're speaking my language. (laughs) I am a Zodiac lesbian. It's awful. I ask everybody what their sign is. And then I try not to make a face depending on what the answer is. Because I have opinions and judgments, but I don't say because I'm polite. And I think Scorpio and Aries partners in crime. Oh, excellent. Automatic. We are determined. We're hardworking. We're passionate. We want to get things done. Let's do it. Okay. Okay. It's a great combo. And I'm very Scorpio, Scorpio. And I often feel like I have to apologize when I tell people I'm a Scorpio. And I'm like, I'm a nice one. I'm very sorry. Because it's <laughs> like someone's been burned by a Scorpio always. And it's like, well, we sting, but like not unprovoked. So you were probably did something to deserve it. Maybe, I think. But we're loyal. We're super protective. We're very loving. A little jealous and controlling. But we mean well. <laughs> we mean well. <laughs>
0: I've never really been into the whole um, signs. Spoken like a true Aries. Yeah, right. <laughs> I got too much to do. I don't have time yeah. to look at my sign. You're
1: like, come on. It's fine. <laughs> but now I'm going to start and look. This is my favorite Aries trait. Let's see if you have it. Are you very direct? You just say what you mean? No, I'm not. No?
0: Direct. My partner's very direct. She's not an Aries. I'm more subtle and I'm, I'll am i beat around the bush and I don't want confrontation.
1: Interesting. Very un-Aries-like. Yeah. I know. Huh. Yeah.
0: Unless it's a very strongly worded email, I can do that. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Someone pisses me off and I need to let them know it. Just give me an email or text. Very good with that. Great.
1: You're going to write a letter.
0: Yeah. Verbal, face-to-face. I'm like, nah. I couldn't even tell my yard guy he did a bad job. I just, (laughs) I lied and told him that the kids wanted to cut the grass for money. Not true. He was awful. (laughs) I just didn't want to make him feel
1: bad. That's how we got rid of our lawn guy. It was during the pandemic. And I was like, oh, well, I'm going to be working from home. We had been unhappy for months. And it's just like, you know, and I was like, perfect timing. We'll just tell them I'm going to cut it. It's like, this is how Florida. Nobody cuts their own grass. Like, it's just too much work. I did actually cut it for a little while, but so I get you. I don't like to hurt people's feelings, which is very unScorpio of me, but I hate making people feel bad. I know. It's Unless awesome. they deserve it. It's like, he didn't do anything wrong. He's just doing a bad job. What three places in the world would you most like to visit? So after I wrote uh, Undercover Madam, I became obsessed with Barcelona and going to Spain. We haven't made it yet because I've been nervous still to kind of really travel. Yeah. You know, kind of in a post-COVID, still COVID world. So we haven't gone yet. And then also on the list are Bali, which, I mean, everybody wants to go there, right? Yeah. that And, uh, right? looks like it would just be amazing. And Iceland. Ooh, it's going to be cold. Right? Just like all over the place. Just want to see it all. There you go. What are your three favorite sapphic books? Okay, so my favorite sapphic book is, there's definitely a sapphic main character, and there's a romance, but it's not as prominent as I wish it was. I I wish it had a little more of the forefront, but it's Once and Future Witches by Alex E. Harrow. I don't know if you've read it. I have not. It has some of the most beautiful prose, and I'm not usually a prose person. It's written so beautifully. I really just absolutely loved it. And it's about witches, obviously. And then the other two are about lawyers. So lawyers and witches, that's all I care about. (laughs) (laughs) So Cheyenne Blue's Heart This Big, which also has a lady lawyer. And my good friend, Alexi Venice, she has the Monica Spade series. And that's like, there's some romance. It's mostly sort of a crime solving, mystery solving kind of thing. So, but she's also a lawyer and she writes. So I haven't read any of those. So I have to check it out.
0: All right. Tell me something
1: about you that would come as a surprise. Okay, so I debated on it whether to reveal this or not. Ooh. My wife said don't, but I'm going to. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, God, no. Now it sounds more exciting than it is. <laughs> it um, I'm really on the lam. No. <laughs> I really find it hard to write love scenes. I know. And sometimes I want to leave them out. Really? Yes. There's so much work. I bet crossing you know, the line to- made you sweat, didn't it? It was exhausting. I was just done. I was like, I can't, it's like, it's hard to come up with different ways of doing this, you guys. (laughs) And and it's like, you don't want to get into like a game of Twister where you're like, and then this here and then that, cause that's not, that's not what we're waiting for. So it's like, you want the emotion of it, right? You want to be excited to feel what they're feeling, but it really is hard to keep that fresh and interesting. And you know, there's only so many ways you can write it that won't take like if I could draw stick figures, I feel like I could really just a whole new world. Like this is what I'm talking about, you guys. Now let's get in. Let's get in the story. Huh. Um, yeah, maybe I'll come maybe. into the next uh, sapphic <laughs> romance near you. Now I think you should do one where they also play Twister.
0: <laughs> right.
1: I mean, maybe it would help. Maybe it would help me not get so into the uh, logistics of it all. <laughs> shall we say? <laughs>
0: JJ, thanks so much for taking the time to chat. It was great getting to know more about you and I wish you only the best.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much. I had such a great time. Thanks so much for listening and thanks again to JJ
0: Arias for joining me. To learn more about JJ, visit JJArias.com and to purchase her books, visit Amazon. To support this podcast, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash sapphiclaura or you can join my Patreon at patreon.com slash sapphic book review pod where you can hear your favorite authors play would you rather here's a sample of this week's with jj arias thanks for listening and until next time happy reading would you rather work for george from the good governor or be a cast member
1: of cutthroat island oh man i could not do cutthroat island i can't could you oh god no no, I can't. First of all, mud everywhere. Can't do it. No, I'm I mean, not eating weird shit either. I'm not eating weird shit. It's not happening. Yeah, so I think we'll. I'll work for George. He should be a good boss. Oh, yeah, except I'd be crushing on a boss, and that's not acceptable. Right? but then you'll do such a good job because you just want her to notice you. Like. I
0: would. Would you rather listen to an annoying laugh for the day or be tickled for an hour? Oh,
1: man. Those are like two versions of hell. <laughs> I know. I'm so irritated by annoying sounds. I don't think I'd make it a whole day. (laughs) I'd have to endure the tickling. That's terrible. I don't like that one at all. Both bad. I know. Sorry. (laughs) Are you ticklish? I am super ticklish, especially like in the knee area. If my wife even accidentally touches me near the knees, I have a meltdown, like a full toddler meltdown. You knew what you're doing. You did it to hurt me. What's wrong (laughs) with you?